I know. Yeah. But uh, I, honestly, I really do. I mean, every time I'm sure some of you share the sentiment. Every time I'm away for even just a week or two, I just miss being here. You know, it's like miss it. You know, not because I have to be here, but just miss being here. And uh, I miss coming here and worshiping with the angels too. I mean, I can worship with angels at my house, but there's also something about being together corporately that I think the angels just are particularly drawn to. You know, I just want to remind you of that because sometimes I have to be reminded that these spirit beings that God created and spoke all about in the Bible are real and are manifested and are ministering here this morning and are worshiping the lamb that was slain before the creation of the... I mean, they are having the biggest party along with us. And in the kingdom realm, like attracts like. So as we emit worship and praise, they can't help but be attracted to that. And the Lord is enthroned on our praises. Amen? Isn't that exciting? I mean, that's, that gets you a little bit out of the mundane. You know, the everyday kind of go to church, do worship things, sing some songs. You know? So uh, it's just good to be here. I want to start out this morning with a little video clip. Some of you have, are from, have seen this, this documentary called Furious Love. But for those of you who haven't, just to catch up to speed, this is just a couple of minutes here. But in this, uh, video, in this documentary, this guy named Darren Wilson took video crews to the darkest places on planet Earth that he could find, from the uh, sex sl- slave industry of Thailand to uh, the, this, this, this garbage dump in, in uh, Madrid that's given over to heroin addicts to, you know, a, a witchcraft festival in Salem, Massachusetts, just and he, accompanied by um, carriers of the light of God. And what he found was remarkable, okay? So in this clip, he's traveled with some people to um, Mount Shasta, California, which is kind of like the West Coast version of Asheville, North Carolina, in the sense that it's like a mecca of New Age spirituality and, and uh, activity. And so they're at this festival, obviously kind of uninvited, but have some sort of established booth there or something. And they're just seeing what God can do as people come up. And uh, he encounters this guy named Sammy. And so that's what number 13 is. Let's take a look about at this for here just a second. And then there was Sammy. He was one of the many people who came up to us wondering what we were doing, and Robbie was given the privilege to pray for him. What happened next was simply stunning. He came and, and I, uh, he was in my line for prayer, and, and um, I asked him if I could pray for him, and he said, yeah, he's, and he asked me the question everybody was asking, who's your medium? And I said, well, the Bible says you can only go to the Father through Jesus, and so we're going through Jesus, so Jesus is our medium. And he said, that's cool. And so we started praying for him, and uh, I began to just see just a lot of personal abuse, and to protect his dignity, I won't go into the details, but just a lot of things that were happening personal in his life. And I remember a woman coming over and saying, this has got to stop, and telling him, tell them to stop this. And he turned and he looked at her and, and she said, this is bad. And she said, they're from the other side. And he turned and he looked at her and he said, no, this is not bad. This is good. And he said, the one who rides the white horse and carries a sword in his hand is driving 
dark figures from me. And this is good. And immediately I knew something very, very powerful was happening. I knew that, that he was going through some real deliverance. And the whole time, the only thing that I was pronouncing over him was the father's embrace and the father loving him, which was the exact opposite of what he had experienced from these other people that had been abusive to him. And he acknowledged that and he acknowledged who it was that had been abusive. And that was actually the entrance to all these things into his life. And I leaned down and I, I knelt down beside him. I put my arm around him and I just heard him saying, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, three times. I said, Sammy, do you want to accept Christ into your life? And he looked, he turned and he looked at me with this huge smile and he goes, Robbie, I just did. And as I stood there watching this pure moment where a man for the first time in his life comes face to face with the furious love of the Father, I thought of all of us. The war has brought us pain and fear and doubt and abuse. But there is one who fights for us still, one who stands against the darkness. He rides a white horse and carries a sword in his hand. He is our defender, our God, our Father. saw that when you encounter the full brunt of the love of our daddy, when all falls away and you are alone and only love stands in front of you, you can do nothing else but bow before the king. Glory to you, God. He that rides a white horse with a sword in his hand. What a privilege it is to go and to send people out into all the earth to do things just like that. Isn't that a privilege? Don't you want to do that? Don't you want to be a part of that army that God has on the earth? Just seeing people set free and delivered from shame and fear and pain and abuse and all these things. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God told me during worship that there's those in here this morning that need a similar kind of deliverance. That God wants to set you free today. The Father's heart. Maybe you didn't have a good father, okay? So this might be a little hard to relate to. But we have a Father in Heaven who is a perfect daddy. He's a loving Father with a heart as wide as the ocean. Nothing can escape His love. And He's reaching out to you today and saying, Hey, son, daughter. Come take my hand. I'm going to set you free. All your fear is vanishing. All your pain is going away. All the depression has to vanish. All the fear and anxiety, it's fleeing right now. Right now, I'm telling you, it's fleeing in this room. Just receive it right now. Just open your heart like Sammy did right now. Just open your heart right now. And just let it all go. Just give him the addiction right now. Give Him the fear right now. Just let it all go. I just hear this big sucking sound like a heavenly vacuum cleaner that's just sucking all of it out. 
just pulling it out of you. That every demon's got to flee at the name of Jesus. Every stronghold will be broken. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, our Papa. Oh, the Spirit cries out, Abba, Father. Daddy, God. What a mighty Father we serve. What an incredible Father. Thank you for your love throughout the whole earth. Don't you want to just get down and just bow before the King when you see something like that? I mean, I know it sounds like I'm exaggerating, but that documentary changed my life. Just calling me back to what's important. You know what I'm saying? It's all about the love of God that is so rich because I don't deserve anything that I am or that I have. It's all grace. But for the love of my Father, reached down and pulled me out of an awfully big mess. Who can relate with that? (laughs) So if you're here this morning and you're in an awfully big mess... You're in good company. Because so were we. And we didn't do anything to get out of it, honestly. But just to surrender. That's all that's required is just to surrender. Surrender it all to Him. In a few minutes, we're going to pray for you. If that's you, I want to pray. But I feel like the Lord wants me to share a few verses with us this morning. Before we do that, what I felt when I was finished watching that documentary is, you know, God, there's so many things that could pull my attention away from really the main thing, the main thing being the main thing, and that's the love of the Father. There's so many things. You know, I have short and long-term memory loss. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just, and and the Lord was like, but you know, Matthew, that's the human condition. It's really the human condition, but I sent my son. One of the reasons Jesus died was to set us free from that part of the human condition. And that's what I want to take a short-term look at the human condition in all of us, even as a body, that I feel like the Lord wants to break out this morning and, and, and renew some things. You know, because I've talked to about three friends separately recently and all three of them shared a common thing, but they didn't necessarily talk to each other. And it was they felt the Father drawing them back to something He had given them or that they had gained that was kind of needed to be stirred up again. Does anybody feel that? You know? Hey, by the way, one of the things we're going to do here real soon, I can't announce the week yet, but we're going to do a one week, we're going to do a week of 24-hour prayer in our prayer room that we call the incubator. You know, an incubator prepares something. This is a place that's preparing for awakening and revival in our church and in our lives. So you'll have an opportunity, stay tuned for the the, the, uh, administration of it, but you'll have an opportunity to sign up if you want to for a time slot. Come in, just worship, just be with Him, just pray, just let the Lord soak you. I did this recently, and have you, you know, this is totally a grace thing, because I'm really not that spiritual of a guy, but you know when two hours seems like ten minutes? I mean, have you ever had that experience? I was there recently, and it was like, wow, this is so rich. Oh, I just got to have the more of the Lord. That's the only words I can, I don't even know what the more is. Just the more. 
There's more with a capital M-O-R-E of the Lord. Does anybody sense that this morning? There's just more in the atmosphere. I want to spend some time in John 6, but before I do, let's go first to Acts 7. Then I'm going to go to a part of a psalm and then back and then to John 6. So if you got your Bible, turn to uh, Acts 7. And basically Acts 7 is Stephen sharing this message and summarizing the Old Testament. <laughs> and because uh, here's the thing I've realized. I don't want to waste my life playing church. You know what I'm saying? I mean, honestly, I can't speak for you, so this isn't an accusation. I'm just saying, even being in the ministry, I don't want to waste my life doing the same things I've always done and risk missing the very thing that could usher in the kingdom of heaven. Does that make sense? Does anybody understand what I'm saying by that? You know, because sometimes, as I've got passed on like third generation from Arthur Burt, I think, the good can be the enemy of the best. And there's a lot of good things that you and I do in our lives. But actually God's doing something else. But we're still doing those things. And God's saying, come on, there's more. Deeper, come on. Follow me down, follow me through the wardrobe. Literally is a whole nother world. You know, and so many of us live our Christian lives aware that that's true but not aware that that's true. Let me put it a different way. Aware that there's another world, but not aware that there's a whole other world. And this isn't new. I mean, this isn't new for you and I. This is the plight of the Israelites, because in fact, Stephen said in Acts 7.36 that God brought them out you know, of Egypt after he had shown wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. Then I'm going to skip on down to verse uh, 39. Whom our fathers would not obey, but rejected, and in their hearts they turned back to Egypt. And then I'm kind of skipping around for the sake of time. But down in uh, verse 41, they made a calf. In those days offered sacrifices to the idol and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. Interesting. Then God turned and gave them up to worship the hosts of heaven. As it is written in the book of the prophets, Did you offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You also took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god Arimphan, Images which you made to worship, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. I mean, think about this. Here is a generation like no other before or since. A generation of a group of people that saw the supernatural heaven invade earth on a daily basis. I mean, it wasn't hard to see. You know, it didn't take like just spiritual eyes. Like Byron says, oh, Matthew, I see an angel standing right there beside you. Well, that's great, but I'm not really seeing it. You know, it wasn't, I mean, yes, that happened, but they, think about it, God rained food down from heaven each and every day for them to collect. I mean, it all started when they stood in front of a very large body of water and the thing parts and they walk across on dry. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know you all know the stories, but the reality of that is profound. 
every single, I mean, they have like pillars of fire. That was the Lord. I mean, probably audible voices. Man, they had uh, Moses, remember, struck a rock. And enough water came out of a rock for four million people to drink. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you be pretty excited if that happened? I mean, seriously, Alton, like, that would be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? Like, all of a sudden, it's like, Alton, stretch out your rod. <laughs> okay, God. <laughs> you know, what? You know, I mean, don't you think, like, you would never question again? I mean, it's a done deal. It's finished. This is God, creator of heaven and earth. I have no doubts. All my skepticism has been, <laughs> you know, laid to rest. But no. Not only did these same people who saw that question, but they also turned to some of the most hideous pagan God and idol worship that you can imagine. And not only did they do that, but they did it multiple times. Isn't that true, Dane? Multiple times. So you see that great cycle with the, the children of Israel, right? Of getting all fired up. God does tremendous things. They see heaven invade earth. Oh, yes, yeah, you're the God of heaven and earth. Woo, she looks good. You know, next thing you know, they're off marrying some Canaanite and getting all messed up and serving Baal and what, you know, the list goes on and on. Like, oh man, Lord. In fact, uh, David said, let's go to Psalm 95. This is kind of interesting. Kind of alarming, but interesting. Psalm 95. Where did I start that? Verse 6, I think. Or verse 7, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For we are His God. We are the people of His pasture. Okay, end of verse 7. Today, if you will hear His voice. Let's just take this personally. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. That should be with a capital R. The Israelites turning away from God. As in the day of trial in the wilderness when your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said, It is a people who go astray in their hearts, and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Notice this, he says, Though they saw my works, they do not know my ways. Isn't that interesting? Though we've seen the works of God, though we've seen what God did in Sammy's life, though we've seen what God did in your lives from, let's say, 2006 to 2008, did you know that it's still possible not to completely know the ways of God? And I think, even though I missed it, I listened to Byron's message on the internet from last week, I think that's what our pastor has been trying to get us to see for quite a while now, he was re-emphasizing the heavenly places that we're called to live from heaven to earth, not earth to heaven. So this is kind of just a new year, you know, stir you up, like, you know, take a tally, take an assessment in your life. Um, I mean, I don't feel condemnation about this, but boy, I've got a ways to grow. You know what I'm saying? But when I was listening to that message, in fact, instead of feeling like bad about it, I felt hungry. I felt like, oh God, I want to be able to live from earth, from heaven to earth. 
You know, I want to be able to live, I want to access the realms of heaven. Why? For my heritage. For my inheritance. I mean, he said something a few weeks ago that's really stuck with me. He said, the Bible says that in the end times, with the mark of the beast and all that, that we, the saints, will not be able to buy or sell things. Right? So, is that in our lifetime? Who knows? Is that in our kids' lifetime? Who knows? Is that in our grandkids? We don't know, but you do know one thing for certain. One of your descendants is going to be their, their portion. So what would be a better legacy for me to leave my great, even great-great-grandkids? A legacy of how to live from heaven to earth. You know, because we think the 2008 to 2010 economy was bad. You know, that makes it look like prosperity. You know what I'm saying? I want to leave a legacy of great-granddad passed on an inheritance. And here's what it is. You know, here's what his journal says. Here's what, you know, whatever it is, whatever physically is left, I don't know. But I do know this. People, like for example, as far back as we can trace the Bollinger family, it goes back to Heinrich Bollinger from Switzerland, who was a pastor in uh, uh, Ulrich Zwingli's church from the Reformation. Who was, uh, Zwingli was in Switzerland when Luther was in Germany. So Bullinger, it was Bullinger, became the pastor of the next generation after the first generation reformers. You know, and I don't know anything about spiritual heritage other than, of course, my wonderful father. But, you know, people in my line that I don't even hardly know their names, you know. But I've realized something. You are that. <laughs> like, you are that physically, obviously. Genetically, you are that spiritually. So even if that end times comes so many generations, they don't even know what your name is, your descendants, you can pass it on. Because the blessings of their fathers will get passed on way more generations than the curses. Isn't that what the book says? Glory. John 6, so it's possible though for me to see all the things that I've seen. You know, I've seen deaf ears opened. I've seen numerous, numerous people have similar encounters with God like Sammy. You know, I've seen feathers manifest, gold dust. You know, I mean, I'm just trying, trying to, you know, whatever, prophetic words that are just impossible. You know, we've seen countless and countless things happen. You know, Sarah and I were just recounting the other day how we gave away just uh, a, a certain amount of money at one point not too long ago, and without even hardly recognizing it, we're like, holy cow, we got that back a hundredfold. Because somebody about maybe eight weeks later gave us a hundredfold of what we had, you know, we had sowed. No. I mean, it was just like, but I could have I forgotten that. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's so many words that I've been given that I need to go back and read them again. You know, there's so many testimonies of the faithfulness of God that He's done for you that you need to go back and raise those memorial stones again. You know, as the generation of Joshua did. Now, Luke's, I mean, what did I say? Luke or John? John. I'm in John 6, not Luke. 
Okay, even though Luke probably has some good stuff to say there too. John 6 is kind of an interesting chapter. I'm just going to summarize the first half of it because the first part is Jesus taking, what is it, five loaves and two fish or two fish and five loaves. I always get those mixed around. Five loaves and two fish, right? Taking five loaves and two fish and saying, bless it, Lord, thank you for this. And they feed 5,000, actually it's probably more like 10 grand people counting women and children from this just an amazing miracle okay now here's what i want you to picture you're one of the the followers and you're seeing this all happen okay it's kind of like hitting the rock and seeing water release don't you think you'd be pretty impressed like don't you think you'd be like a done deal this is the son of god nobody's ever done anything like this and this is this seals it for me i'm convinced well let's see okay so next it doesn't stop there Starting in John 6:15, he walks on the water, walks on the sea. You remember that story? He comes out to him as they're rowing across. He walks out to him. Another cool thing, which is easy to miss, but in verse 21 it says, "Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately, everybody say immediately, the boat was at the land that they were going to. So the boat, picture this: this guy walks to your boat." on the water okay that's pretty cool then he gets in and you're to the other side time warp what are you kidding me this is definitely god's son i'm convinced well let's see well then oh it doesn't stop there here's what's interesting about the gospels is they're not necessarily all in chronological order and each one of the four doesn't include stuff that the other ones do. So in my research of the chronological Gospels, I realized that the story after he fed the 5,000, walked on the sea, translated them in the spirit to the other side, then the other, uh, what comes next is found in Mark 6. And I don't have that up on the screen, but let me turn to it real quick. And here's what happened. When they had crossed over... This is Mark 6.53. They came to the land of Gennesaret. Gennesaret? Okay, that. And anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him. They ran through that whole surrounding region, began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched him were made well. I mean, it was like, touch the hem of his garment club. You know, I guess they saw the one lady do it, and they decided, wow, that's a new method, we can all do it, let's just grab his, his garment. You know, okay, again, you're one of the followers. You've just seen him multiply loaves and fishes. You've just seen him walk on water. You've just seen him translate you in the spirit in a millisecond. And you've seen all that were sick brought to him healed. Is your mind made up? (laughs) Again, I think this speaks of our short-term and long-term memory loss. I'm going back to John 6. So then he starts talking to them about the manna that the Israelites received in the desert. And he starts saying to them, you think that's cool? I am the bread of life. I am the bread of heaven. I am he that comes down. And he says things like in verse 35, 
He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. You know what I love about Jesus? He sees no need to explain himself. He just says it, and that's it. You know, I'm way too apologetic. I want everybody, it's just the teacher in me, I guess. I I want people to really grasp the concepts. He wasn't shooting for that, because he wasn't shooting for a mental acknowledgement. Uh, In verse 41, the Jews were complaining about him because he said, I'm the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I've come down from heaven? Hmm. Things aren't adding up. We know your mom and dad. That can't be right. (laughs) It was legitimate. It was a legitimate complaint. So he goes on, let's see here, in verse 48 again says, I'm the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead, but this is the bread, here I am, which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. Verse 51, I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give him my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. So they, the Jews quarreled. They fought among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them. So here he kind of ups the stakes a bit. If you're not familiar with the passage, just watch. You talk about bizarre. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Okay. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So now the story gets to me the most interesting because the subheading is many disciples turn away. Okay, so you're following Jesus. He multiplies this food miraculously. He walks on water. He translates you in a millisecond. He heals all these people that came to him. But now there's just a little catch. Like you didn't read the fine print on the contract. You got to eat me and drink my blood. Oh, shoot. Man. You know, mama always said if it's too good to be true, it probably is. If it sounds too good to be true, it's too good to be true. Man, I thought I was going to. This was like the the, the deal. Therefore, many of his disciples, verse 60, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? (laughs) I mean, I thought Byron's saying, you got to learn how to access heaven. I'm like, man, that's a hard saying. Yeah, how do I do that? You know, my mind's like wandering, wandering, wandering. No, this is way harder. This is really hard. (laughs) This is... He's left them all in the in the dust. When, then when Jesus, so then he gets a word of knowledge. He knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, and he said to them, "Let me ask you a question. Does this offend you? 
would, if I was there, I would point out what he just said. Let me play that back on my iPhone for you, what you just said. And you're asking, does it offend me? Speaking of the iPhone, i got to pull this out because I've got to read this excerpt from the Message Bible too. Yeah, right here in verse 61. What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? Now, you can see that in Acts chapter 1. It's exactly what happens. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Wait, did he say nothing? He said nothing. The flesh profits nothing. In fact, that's what he was talking about when he kept saying, you've got to deny yourself and take up your cross daily. Be crucified daily. Put to death daily. That's not talking about the sinful nature. That was done away with once and for all on the cross. He's talking about the soul realm. You see, what happened when Adam chose the wrong tree is the soul realm, the mind, will, and emotions, went into hyperdrive. It went into overtime, like the soul realm. That's why the human condition is such a struggle to overcome how you feel and the, mind, the thoughts of your brain rather than the thoughts of your heart and, that, and so on and so forth. But what Jesus did is he humbled himself and became a soul. He took on that nature. Why? So that you could overcome the flesh. How do you overcome the flesh? Only through the cross. By taking that to the cross each and every day. Flesh profits nothing. Now this is really interesting. This just speak volumes to me. The next sentence. The words that I speak to you are spirit. And they are life. But there's some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who were those who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I've said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. Now, let me read you those same few verses in the message Bible. He says this, Jesus sensed that his disciples were having a hard time with this and said, does this throw you completely? What would happen if you saw the Son of Man ascending to where he came from? The Spirit can make life. Sheer muscle and willpower don't make anything happen. See, like if you're addicted to something this morning, I got bad news for you. Willpower won't help you. I got good news for you. The Spirit will, but... Every word I have spoken to you is a spirit word. And so it is life-making. But some of you are resisting, refusing to have any part of this. Jesus knew from the start that, that some weren't going to risk themselves with Him. He knew also who would betray Him. He went on to say, This is why I told you earlier that no one is capable of coming to me on his own. You get to me only as a gift from the Father. Every word I've spoken to you is a spirit word. You know why we have so we have such a hard time with this book? Because we're trying to read it like a textbook or a manual or like, you know, those computers for dummies things. You know, like trying to figure out this really complex mechanism that you don't understand. 
You know, we're trying to have heaven for dummies, and we're reading it from from the same way that we did really well in geometry or something. Well, I didn't do very well in geometry, but you know, whatever it was, like we take that mindset, we take that diligence and that pursuit and that mentality, and we just apply it to this. And so pastors like me, we get all kinds of weird questions like, you know, well, what about people, you know, this church here, y'all have more than three people speaking in tongues. You know, like they take this very obscure passage from some other issue that like, for example, Paul was trying to deal with in a church and they try to like, they're trying to put in words, in physical words, this spirit God in this box. And my response to them is, lovingly, okay, I think you're missing the whole point. The Spirit brings freedom. The law brings restrictions. You know, Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. But I came that you might have life, and more abundantly. Okay, so then in the final part, he says to them, in verse 67, oh, verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Can you believe that? They saw all the things that we just listed out. And because of these physical words that they could not wrap their physical minds around, they left. It was over. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go? (laughs) Isn't it interesting? I think just him asking the question shows us something. Like there was somewhat, I believe there was either some confusion, some trepidation, like there was something on their face that he was like, hmm, this is interesting. Are you guys going to? There's the door. But Peter... Oh, you got to love Peter. Answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Wow. Lord, give me the heart of Peter. When it seems like it doesn't make sense, I know what I know. I know what's spiritually true. It overrides what I naturally see. But I know where the superior reality lies, and it is with Him, in His truth. Even when I can't find the words to to figure it out. An eternal God cannot be understood by my limited mind. But if that's not good enough for you, it's going to be a real struggle. Now, I believe God is knowable. But I don't believe everything about God is completely knowable. It uncovers in layers and layers. But that's, that's what I love about it because the pursuit continues. Like the adventure begins and never ends. I've said this before, I'll say it again. We'll go for all eternity, you and I, and never get to the end of our God. That's how big and vast and wonderful He is. But more than that, God is love. And so all of that is contained in the love of God. 
I think that some of us have received things. I'm feeling particularly between the time that God began to move fresh in us in 2006, between 2006, the fall of 2006 and the fall of 2008. I want you to just, for a minute, if you were around at that point, I want you to remember what God did in you. You don't have to share it, but do you remember? Do you remember? Okay, that thing you just remembered, it's yours. You understand what I'm saying? That thing is yours. Now in 2011, that thing may or may not look exactly the same. That thing may or may not manifest exactly the same. But it doesn't matter, that's yours. So I feel like just like God continually beckoned His people, come around, come back, repent, turn away, return, forsake, forsake all others for me. In the loving way that a father does is the same thing that He does with us today. He's saying, my people at River Life, are you ready for a new wineskin? Do you want to enter the next season? Do you want to forget what lies behind and press on towards that what lies ahead? And like that little, not little, that bald guy with the little soul patch on his chin, you know? You might not look quite that cool, but do you want to be a bondage breaker? You know, do you want to be a liberator? You know, do you want to be a kingdom shaker? Why not you? You know, why not you and I? Like I said, what stirs in me is I don't want to waste my life watching the NFL playoffs. Now, I will watch the NFL playoffs this afternoon. But what I mean is, if I don't watch my own spiritual life, I can get so carried away with things that really don't matter all that much. You know, Paul said it this way, everything's permissible, but not everything's beneficial. So again, here's the 2011 assessment. What's not, benefit, what's not beneficial in your life? It may not even be listed out black and white as sin in the Bible. But is it beneficial Well, how do you know? Well, is it drawing you to the Father's heart? Does it make you just want to love Jesus more? That's what's beneficial. Are there relationships that need to be cut off? Not that you start hating the person or forsake them. Some of those relationships, you you can't do that. God wouldn't call you to do that. But are there relationships that need to be, have some boundaries or altered? You know, I don't know, but I do know this. The Spirit of God speaking to somebody this morning. Why? Because He loves us. And 2011, I believe, is a year of preparation and impartation where God is going to, first of all, those of you who have a lot from God, look for people to give it away to this year. Like, continue releasing it. Continue training up and discipling those under you. The new Christians, the young people, or whatever. See, in the kingdom, there's no physical young and old. So, you might be 65, but you need to receive something from somebody who's 16. 
you know. But if you're mature, let's use that word, mature in the faith, give what you have to somebody because in 2012, the dam's going to burst open. Like, we saw a first fruits of going last year, and we'll continue to see that this year. In 2012, it's going to be like, you ain't seen nothing yet. Like, things are just going to explode in 2012. And besides that, again, who knows the last days, who knows who the last day's generation will be? What do you want your legacy to be? I don't, I mean, it's a cool commercial and everything, but I really don't want my great-great-grandkids just to know that their great-great-grandpa went to every Super Bowl. Wow. Okay, but what does that really matter in the grand scheme of things in eternity? What matters is that the Sammies of the world get set free and are released into their destiny to live a life of joy and fulfillment and happiness being in the Father's house. Amen? All right, so let's stand up. Thank you for your time and I feel like not your time for me, but just your time to sit here and listen and like consider what the Spirit of God might be saying to you this morning. Because I feel like this is one of those days. You know, the first service, honestly, the Lord gave me this message that was a little bit more corporate. But right now, I feel like what God wants to do is extremely, extremely individual. Okay? There's, for some of you, this can be, this will be kind of painful because a cutting of, a cutting away is never easy, but necessary. What God is interested in is fruitfulness. And in order for fruit to be produced, pruning must happen. What is pruning? It's cutting away so that new life can grow. And I guarantee you, and for the seasoned Christians, you can make this guarantee as well. As hard as it is to prune something, you look back a while later and you think, man, I don't know why I didn't do that sooner. That was the best thing I ever did in my life. So, whatever you want to call it, my challenge, the altar call this morning, is if you just want to come up here and really do business with God, just come up here and get before the Lord. Let Him spiritually prune you on the inside so that 2011 is a a season, a year of tremendous fruitfulness. And if you're one of those who needs a mighty deliverance like Sammy, I just ask you to come up here and surrender your life to the one true God. Forsaking all others. Forsake all other lovers. Forsake it all. Just lay it all at His feet. Surrender everything. And the Father is going to meet you. He promises He will not leave you or forsake you. He's going to come down and just bring you into a whole new world. Literally. Spiritually. So let me just pray for all of us and then we'll give you a chance to respond to that as we're dismissed. Holy Spirit, we just, I ask for a fresh anointing to fall upon this congregation for 2011.
you want this anointing, just stretch out your hands like you're receiving a gift. Fresh anointing, just fall upon every child. The children are going to be used big this year. There's a fresh wave for kingdom-shaking children that will just destroy the works of the devil this year. So come upon the kids, God, even if they're not in the room, Lord. Lord, let a, a, a fiery anointing come upon teenagers and young adults this year. There's a fire anointing upon young people this year. A fresh one. It's going to even look a little different than what we've personally seen. Holy Spirit, release that right now. Just let fires be released in their hearts. Lord, let a fresh anointing come upon upon us. Lord, to set captives free in our daily lives. God, I ask you to make us a people, a generation that would take your commission seriously to go into all the earth and to make disciples and to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, to cast out demons. Woo! Woo! That anointing's just sweeping over you now. You can just receive that right now. Just fresh. It's just a freshness.
come right now. Just connect us in. Connect us in, connect us in, connect us in to your spirit, Lord. Connect us in. We don't want to be held Just come on up here to that pruning you just want to give before the Lord. Take some time. I mean, I know it's almost 1 o'clock, but take some time right now. Really do business with God. Or if you need that deliverance, come up here and tell us. Get some ministry team people to come up here. And we're going to pray and just really believe God with you. That God is going to set you free. So come tell somebody if you need that. Blessings. No. Oh. 